Bibles once again to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Romans 12, 11. We've been studying the subject of managing your family. I hope you're getting something out of this. Amen. Because I'm giving you all the things you got to do so that you don't have to go to a financial counselor and pay them thousands of dollars to learn how to handle your money. Because they do cost money. You do know that, right? Amen. You're getting it free. You're getting it free. That's why you need to get these CDs. You need to go over them over and over again to get it in your spirit. Come on, say amen, somebody. So you can start managing your family correctly so God can do some things to you and through you. Amen. Amen. Don't treat this as some little cute message. I'm giving you instructions on how to manage your family. Come on, say amen, somebody. And once again, when God put the first family together, he put together the first business. Amen. They became one flesh. Romans 12, 11 says here, once again, it says, be not what? Slothful in what? Business. Amen. Be, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We know that word slothful means don't be lazy in business. Don't be slow to do what we've been telling you to do. Amen. All I can do is show you. I can't make you do it. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the very people that are not here, the very people that are not taking the time out and study these things, going to be the very people next year are going to be struggling. And they didn't have to. Come on. If they would just learn to do what we've been teaching them to do. Are you with me out here? Now we found out, amen, glory to God, in the book of Ecclesiastes that dreams come by handling business. We talked about how you need to learn this before you get married. Before you get married. We looked in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and it showed how handling business causes a couple to get up on the right foot. We talked about following God's method, God's method of doing business. Why? Because God's the ultimate businessman. We also talked about couples have to work together. Families have to work together towards a shared goal. And they must learn to share methods together and communicate. And see, that means get your children involved with the family business. Explain to them. You have a part to play in this business too. Not just spin, 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 and spin. I should get a bigger amen than that. Glory to God. The word told us to write the vision down and make it plain. So we need to write down what we're doing. Amen. We need to learn to be patient and don't dig a big hole for ourselves. We found that there's laws of poverty as well there's the laws of prosperity. We looked at the ant, we looked at the coonie, we looked at the spiders and found out discipline is required and learning how to restrain our spending. Amen? Then we talked about leaving an inheritance for your children's children so that the next generation can start off prosperous. Then we talked about why you should, you should, why should you co-sign for somebody and then take away your bed, your car, your house. So God said, don't do it. I don't care how much you love them. Do not co-sign. 
the cosine you just directly went against what God said in his word. And I believe God knows what he's talking about. Amen. 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 We went into detail, come on, on why you should get out of debt and stop paying all that interest. We also talked about God hates divorce. And one of the reasons he, one of the reasons he hates divorce is because it'll cost you a lot of money. Amen. And we talked, we talked about the love of money and what the love of money has done to our society. And then we've seen that the subject of first fruit or the tide has a lot to do with the family business. And the first thing people do when they're in trouble is they rob God. Which is something you should never, ever, ever do. We've seen where the first sin was the theft of the tithe. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we stated, we gave you four things you should do, and this is how, amen, your family should be ordered. Number one, we said, 10% of everything you make first goes to God. I don't care if you pick up a dollar off the street. Come on, you give God the tithe of that dollar. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we know the tithe is already set, 10%. And the offering is up to you. In other words, I pray to God and ask God, what should I give in the offering? Come on, say amen, somebody. Then you should be setting aside an account of savings for yourself. Come on, after you tithe, after you give your offering, set aside what? Savings. I recommend 10%. Could be 2%. That's not, that's not etched in stone in the Bible. But the point I'm making is every dime, every time a dollar hits your pocket, some of it should be going into savings. It should not be spent. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you should have an opportunity fund. It's sad that most people cannot get their hands on $5,000 today right now. Hallelujah. They cannot get their hands on $5,000 right now. That's a shame, and that's sad. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. You think about how long you've been working a job? How many years you've been working a job? If you even saved a dollar a day for the time you've been working, you'd have $5,000 in the bank. So that means you've been spending. And you have not been saving. Then if an opportunity does come up, you have no money set aside to take advantage of the opportunity. And there's opportunities every day. And people complain about what somebody else is doing. They complain, oh, they got all this. They got all of that because why? They saved money for when an opportunity comes. They got the money to go, go get it. And that's why the rich keep getting richer. Come on, say amen, somebody. So every time you get paid, give God his money and give yourself some money. Are you with me out here? And if you're single and you marry someone who doesn't have this much sense, come on to do that, and you marry them anyway, you're not very bright. Especially now that you've been taught. Why? Before you didn't have, you had an excuse. You didn't know. But now that you know, 
and you go out there and you marry someone that doesn't save money and you marry somebody that don't know nothing about tithe and won't tithe, there's something wrong with you. Why? Because you're casting a poverty spirit upon your family starting off. And if you have children, number three, or even think you're going to have children, we told you establish a fund for your children. Put some money aside. Put some what? Money aside. Then number four, pay Uncle Sam. Pay your taxes. Come on, say amen, somebody. Or you get that finger saying, I want you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, we finished last week talking about lending people money. And we talked about a rule you must always follow if you want to lend money to other people. What is that rule? Never expect it back. Let me say that again. If you want to people, you want to loan somebody some money, get this rule in your spirit. Never expect it back. Why? That keeps your heart right before people, before God, and it keeps your faith intact because why? Faith worketh by love. And when somebody don't pay you back, you get angry and you get out your love walk and you don't realize how much that affecting your faith. So never what? Come on, say that with me. Never expect it back. I've seen some lips didn't move. Let's say it again. Never expect it back. And since you never expect it back, you don't give them your last dime or you, give them, you don't give them something you're going to need. You better learn how to say no. I can't do it. Hello. Glory to God. Now, on the other hand, if you're the person who made the commitment that you're going to borrow X amount of money from someone, and then you say you're going to pay them back, or the Lord told us, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we wouldn't want somebody doing that to us, why are we doing it to somebody else? Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. That's not walking in love. So if you've been receiving money and giving expectation to people that you're going to pay it back, you have an obligation to your word. Pay the people back. Pay the people back. I don't care if you give them a dollar a day or a dollar a week. At least show some confidence or give them some confidence that your heart is right. Some people done build a reputation. Nobody want to see you coming. People build those reputations, you know. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Because all the things I've taught over the last two months... To get yourself out of debt, get your life, come on, glory to God, back on track financially. Handle yourself properly. Stop fighting between you and your wife and your family. Come on, say amen, somebody. 
handling in the future for yourself, your children and your grandchildren, all those things are excellent, and they work. Tell your neighbor they work. And we thank God that they do. They do work, folks. Come on, if you work the plan. But you must remember, there's another side to this that you must apply. Tell your neighbor there's another side. Look at verse 6. Are you there yet? Verse 6 says, but this I say, he which what? So as sparingly shall reap also what? Sparingly. And he which so what? Bountifully shall reap also what? Bountifully. Now he talked about two things here. He talked about planning or giving in a sparingly way or planning or giving in a bountifully way. Right? Then in verse 7 he says, every man according as he is what? Purpose in his heart. Now he's talking about offerings. He's not talking about tithes. He's talking about what? Offerings. He says, so let him what? Give, not what? Grudgingly or what? Of necessity or out of distress. For God loveth a what? Cheerful giver. Cheerful refers to an attitude. Let me say it again. Cheerful refers to a what? Attitude. Notice it says God loves. God what? Loves. And when you talk about what God loves, if you love God, then what God loves, you love. How many people love God in this room? How many people love God in this room? So what God loves, you love. If you say, genuinely say, I love God. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it says, God loveth a what? Cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to what? Every good work. Now, the Amplified Bible reads, every favor and earthly blessing comes to you in abundance, so that you may always under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid, no support, or furnish, and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Come on. And you have to understand, God is in the business of blessing his people, regardless of the economy. Say it again. God is in the business of blessing his people regardless of the economy. You will never hear the Lord say, well, son, daughter, you're going to have to wait. We're having a recession up here in heaven. And as soon as things get put back, put, get put back in order, we'll consider your requests after we see where we stand. You're not going to hear God say that. And, you're not, and you won't hear God say things like, oh, you know what, it's tough down there on earth. So I can't help you right now. So after the Federal Reserve and after the White House and Congress figures this thing out, amen, after they figure this thing out, then we can do some things. Thank God that God is God. And he's not dependent on men because Why? I don't care what party you're talking about. 
I don't care who the President of the United States is. I don't care who the Chairman of the Federal Reserve is. Come on, say amen, somebody. They all mess up one way or the other. Come on, there have been depressions and recessions with Democrats, Republicans, come on, independents, or any other. Come on, say amen, somebody. And there have been economic downturns, but thank God we're not dependent upon politics. Did you hear me? We're not dependent upon politics. We're dependent on God. You better depend on God, especially in these days. But note what he says here. He said he's able to make what? Or every favor and earthly blessing, amplified, come to you in abundance so that you always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessly enough to require no aid or support and furnish an abundance for every good work. Then he says, and charitable donation. Now, when he says that you may abound to every good work, that tells you what God expects of you. That you what? Abound to every good work. That's what God expects of you. God expects you to abound to every, 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 Every what? Good work. Go, matter of fact, go to 1 Timothy 6, 17 again. We read it last week. Let's read it again. Are you there yet? What does he say here? Charge them that are what? Rich in this world. That they be not what? High-minded, nor trust in certain, rich, certain riches. Because you trust in the riches. Those riches can be here today and gone tomorrow. Then what do you have left? But trust in the what? In the living God. Listen to this. Who give us, us richly all things to enjoy. So he allows us to enjoy some things. But then he goes on to say that they do what? Good. And they may be what? Rich in what? Rich in what? Good works. Ready. Ready. To what? Distribute. And willing to what? Communicate. Listen. God expects you not to only get your life in order so that you don't have to be under, have yourself under stress or operating under curse. He expects you to be in that position so that you can be a blessing. Let me say it again. He expects you to be in that position so that you can be a what? Blessing. God wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. See, a lot of people are not blessed the way they're supposed to be blessed because why? They won't be a blessing. Come on, say amen, somebody. Your life should always be geared to being a blessing. Okay, I got that side. I don't know what to have this side of here. Your life should always be geared to being a blessing. Well, go to Genesis 12.1. It should always be geared to being a blessing. 
You should always be looking for ways to bless people. And the reason why you're not thinking that way is because, and you're so tight on your money because, number one, you have a poverty mentality. And you always think somebody's trying to take something from you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Or, come on, say amen. Or, you don't have the money to give. And that's why you won't be a blessing because while you're thinking, man, I ain't got no money. And God's trying to get some money in your pocket so that you can be a That's why he's teaching you these principles on how to get blessed. So you can be a blessing. But look what he told Abraham. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy what? Country and from thy what? Country and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a what? Great nation. Now he said, I'm going to bless thee. I'm going to bless you. You're going to get yours. And I'm going to make your man great. Why? And thou shalt be a what? Thou shalt be a what? Blessing. Then I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee all the families of the earth will be what? Blessed. How many people want to be a blessing? That should be your heart desire. Father, bless me, not just for myself, but bless me so that I can be a blessing. And not be afraid to bless people all the time. Go back to 2 Corinthians 9 9. That's why he wants you blessed. That's why he wants you to get a hold of these principles so you can put yourself in a position. So when God tells you to go bless somebody, you ain't worried about how much I got in the bank account. And you ain't worried about getting the money back. Because you got so much. They pay you back fine, they don't fine. I'm not going to sweat over it. Second Corinthians 9 9, because he goes on to say, As it is written, he has what? Dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now, in verse 10, notice he says here, Now he that what? He that ministers seed to the sower. In other words, God's the one who gives us our seed. And see, the reason we have addressed this over the last few months is because why? The Lord has given us seed. Your job is nothing but seed. Your business is nothing but seed. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the problem is, God has given us seed, but we found a way to blow it. We found a way to throw it away. We found a way to let it go right out the window. We foolishly spit it. Somebody's going to be honest in here. We foolishly spit it. Then we turn around and say, God, I need some more. God is not Santa Claus. And he's not a slot machine.
We are supposed to be good stewards of what he gives us. And if we are good stewards of what he gives us, then we ought to be doers of what he said. And if, we've not, if we have not been able to, be, to, be, to do as he said, it's not his fault, folks. Tell your it's not his fault. It's ours. Come on. Because he's true. He never lied. He's the one that gives seed to the sower. So he expects us to be what? He expects us to be what? Sowers. So he says, both minister bread for your food. And then he says, he multiplies your what? He multiplies what? Your seed sown. Did he say he ministers bread for your food and multiplies the seed that you keep? He didn't say that. Why do people think that way? He did not say he multiplies the seed that you keep. What does he multiply? The seed that's what? So, now, is this the book according to Pastor Walker, or is this God's word? Well, he said here, he will do what? Multiply your seed that is sown. Why do people want multiplication and ain't sowing nothing? I don't understand that. He will, once again, what did he say? He will multiply your seed that is sown. The word seed here, seed here, is the Greek word sperma. And it's where we get our English word sperm. And in the Greek, he's talking about just like a man impregnates a woman with seed. Come on, are you with me out here? There will be, come on, there will be in time a harvest that comes from that seed. Are you following me? Well, God multiplies your sperma, your seed that's sown, and then it says, and he increases. The fruits of your what? Righteous. How many know we should have some fruit? Come on, should we have some fruit? Well, there are, now there are a number of ways in which we've gotten our fruit. This is one of the ways. Tell your neighbor, this is one of the ways. When we sow into the lives, into the lives of other people, then fruit is produced. Say it again. When we sow into the lives of other people, then fruit is what produced. Turn to Proverbs 19:17. Let's look at some of these areas that we that he's talking about here. So one of the ways, amen, we've gotten our fruit is when we what? Sow into the lives, amen, of others, then fruit is one produced. We should always be sowing into somebody's life. Why? Because God multiplies the seed that's sown. He don't multiply the seed you try to hang on to. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Proverbs 19, 17. Now we're talking about not only how God has just taught you how to handle your family business, but now that your family business is straightened out in the name of Jesus, now that your family business is straightened out in the name of Jesus, 
Somebody say, in the name of Jesus, by faith it is. By faith it is. By faith it is. By faith it is. <laughs> now he's teaching you how to cause it to increase and be better. So he says here, he that has what? He that has what? Pity upon the poor. Now the Hebrew reads, anyone who stoops in kindness. Lendeth unto who? The Lord. And that which he has given, will he what? Will he pay him again? See, God has a thing about the poor. When you help poor people, when you give to the poor, God said, I'll give back to you. Oh, you do you realize how powerful that really is? We're talking about the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We're talking about the God that says riches and wealth are mine. And he said, I'm going to make sure I'm going to give it back to you. I'm just going to go into my treasure chest. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. So you want to be in a position, come on, so that you can help someone else who is poor. That's why he's teaching you principles of business so your business is striving so you see the poor, you want to be blessing to them because why? You're going to get a return off of it from God himself. Turn me up back there. Hallelujah, from God himself. Listen, folks, God never intended for the government to take care of the poor. He intended for his children to act on his principles. And that, they, and, that, and that they be so blessed from doing what he said that they would be able to take care of the poor. Did you hear what I just said? Let me say that again. He intended for his children to act on his principles that we've been teaching and that they be so blessed from doing what he said that they would be able to take care of the poor. But what has happened is his people moved away from his principles and were not blessed or not as blessed, and then they advocated their responsibility to the government. Do you understand what would happen if the millions of believers were the one taking care of the poor in America? Do you realize what would happen in terms of salvation? Do you understand where people would start looking to and start, start turning to? Instead of the government, they would start turning to the church. Oh, y'all yeah, listening to me out there. And see, we're talking about tithes and offering here. See, it's, just, it's a major battle just to get people to tithe. Just for the operation of the church, let alone above the operations of the church. Like missionaries and things like that. And because of the disobedience of uh, disobedience of believers, the church has not been able to take care of the poor like God intended for it to do. Because of disobedient believers. So that's why the government has the job. And that's why those people that could have got saved by the church 
are not getting saved and their trust is not in God, their trust is in the government. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Turn to Matthew 22:37. Let's read this again. We read this last week. Matthew 22, verse 37. Matthew 22, 37. It says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love thy what? The Lord thy God of all thy heart, of all thy soul, and of all thy mind. This is the first and great what? Commandment. And the second is, is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thy what? Self. And on these two commandments hang all the law, God's teaching, instruction, and the what? Promise. Well, the question is, how can I love God? How can I love God? See, loving God is more than just words, folks. A lot of people say they love God. And we know it's more than just words, just in the natural. Come on. If you really love someone, what will you do? Come on, what will you do? Come on, you would take care of them. You would help them if they needed help. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, you would look out for them. At least some of y'all saying amen. Come on, you would give them gifts. Come on, what would you do tangibly? Come on. Come on, you would give them whatever they need if you truly love them. Are you with me out here? See, when you say you love God, that means you love what God loves. So you have to ask the question, what does God love? People. Come on, say God loves people. God loves people, and God did precisely what he's telling you to do. Come on, say amen. What does John 3.16 say? For God so God so that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believed in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Or why did God give his only begotten son? Because he loved the world. Because he what? Because he loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, he didn't hold back. Oh, come on. He gave the very best that he had. Come on, say amen, somebody. And he's saying we are to imitate God. God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. See, God is the ultimate Jewish businessman. And God follows the principles that work. And he's trying to teach us how to follow the same principles. Go to Isaiah 53.10. He's trying to get us to follow the what? The same principle so we can be blessed to be a blessing. Isaiah 53.10. Come on, we're talking about the spiritual side of this thing, folks. Amen? Isaiah 53.10 says, yet it, yet it what? Please the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul a what? An offering. Underline that word offering because that's planning. That's planning. 
He said, made us so an offering, he shall see his what? He shall see his what? See. Now that word his in most of your translations, most of the King James is italicized, meaning it was not in the original text. Amen? So it should read, he shall see seed. He shall see what? Seed. What happened? He saw Jesus as seed that he planted. You know what I just said? He saw Jesus as what? Seed that he planted. He took his best and planted his seed. And what made him plant his seed? Love. Come on, what made him plant his seed first? It was love. Some might say love. And there's more to it than love, folks. Love was the underlining reason, but God had a second motive. Keep reading. He said, he shall see seed. He shall prolong his what? Days. Look at this. And the pleasure of the Lord shall what? Prosper in his hand. Well, what is the pleasure of the Lord? See, Jesus was what? He was the only begotten son of God when he was planted. Am I right or wrong? He was what? The only begotten son of God when he was planted. But how many sons of God do we have in this room? Oh, about five. Okay. How many sons of God do we have in this room? If you're not a son of God, we can take care of that after service. Now, how many sons of God do we have in this room? Come on, is anybody a son of God in this room? Okay. See, Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. He's now the firstborn of many brethren. We'll turn to John 1, 12. Dr. Wonder here for a second. I might have had an altar call early. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Some of y'all forgot. <laughs> At least you act like it. Amen. John 1 12. What's it say here? But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them gave he what? Power or authority or right or privilege to become what? The sons of God, even to them that what? Believe on his name. See, God, listen here, God planted a seed. And God's been getting a harvest on his giving ever since. Come on, you and, you and I are at harvest from a seed he planted 2,000 years ago. And every single solitary day, somebody's coming to God and becoming a son of God. Then God turned around and said, that's the way I want you to act. That's the way I want what? You to act. Because what? Because of the principle he laid out in Genesis 8.22. Turn there. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. He said, this is the way I want you to act. What's it say here? While the earth remaineth what? Seed. Seed. This is the principle, folks. Seed, time, and harvest, and cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Listen. Seed, time, harvest works. 
Say it again. Seed, time, harvest, works. See, there is a supernatural side to all this. And you, listen, and you don't operate just the natural, what we've been talking about. Come on, I gave you the nuts and bolts. That's the natural. You got to get on the supernatural part of this. Come on. See, you get the natural to straighten yourself out. Because why? If you operate the natural side correctly, you will have much seed to sow and you'll have much harvest if you operate the natural side correctly. And what will happen is you'll get to the place where you become so blessed that when you see other people's need, you don't have a problem given to them. If you just get over into the natural room, just to do the natural things we talked about, all you will do is close up your hand. And you'll starve yourself, and you'll starve somebody else. Because anything that's stagnant eventually starts to smell. And it's sad to say we have a lot of stagnant Christians. that God can't flow anything through because it's stuck right here. But they're the main ones crying out to God, talking about God bless me, bless me, bless me. God said if I bless you, you won't even be a blessing, so why should I continue to bless you? Go to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Most of us know the story. And if you don't, we're going to read it anyway. Amen. Amen. To get you familiar with the story. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Once again, we're looking at the spiritual side of this thing, right? God want to bless you to be a what? The blessing. You got to get that, folks. You got to get that. Come on. God's... God needs to change the heart of a lot of people when it comes to being a blessing. A lot of it, you know, a lot of it is just fear. Because you think somebody's going to use you and abuse you. And that ain't nothing but the work of the enemy. Because he knows if you get that fear out the way, God can bless you to be a blessing. Now you become a conduit for his blessing. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? And it keeps flowing through you and flowing through you, flowing through you. Now God can direct you any way he wants to direct you. But he's going to always make sure you're blessed because he knows he can trust you with it. 1 Kings 17. It said, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my what? Word. Now, this was because they were worshiping idol gods. And understand, with no rain, that means there will be no planting and there will be no harvest. So the brook begins to dry up. The water sources begin to dry up in verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by a brook, Shura, that is before Jordan. And there shall be that thou shalt drink Thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded to what? Ravens to feed thee there. God said, I'm going to get a bird to feed you. Because why? He's a God that will supply your every need 
according to his riches and glory. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Sherub, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him some Johnny Cake and some old wife in the morning. Well, we serve a good God. <laughs> and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. What happened? God is supernaturally taking care of Elijah. Do you know God's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you understand God will supernaturally take care of you? And it said, and it came to pass after a while that the what? The brook dried up. Because why? There had been no rain in the land. Now notice that channel stopped. Now we stayed at Wednesday. You do not have many sources. You have one source. And that's God. Now he uses many channels. And people will say, well, wow, that came from a totally unexpected source. No, it didn't. Come on. It may have come from an unexpected channel, but you don't have many sources. Who is your source? Who is your source? God. Our complete source of supply is who? God. So this channel stopped. Now you have to understand, God has multiple channels and multiple ways, amen, and you must not get yourself fixated at any time on one way. If you get fixated that my job or my jobs is the only way it can happen. And if you ever lost that job or jobs, what would happen? You would lose your hope and lose all your faith. And if you lose your hope and faith, then you have no way to please God. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on. Then it says, he that approaches God must believe that he is and that he is a what? Rewarder of who? Those who what? Diligently seek him. Now, the Greek say, states, they must believe that God will pay off things that are due. <laughs> they must believe that God will pay off things that are due, things promised under oath. But if you're fixated on one channel, come on, that would only come from, and it's, you're saying, oh, no, I'm only going to get it from my Social Security. That one channel, oh, the child support check. Or whatever it is, what happens is if you're fixated on that one channel, and if that stream ever gets shut down, you lose your faith. And then the enemy will have you right where he wants you, and he'll stomp you down to the ground. Are you with me out there? Well, this channel dried up, but guess what? God didn't dry up. Let me say it again. This channel dried up, but guess what? God didn't dry up. Tell your neighbor, your channel may have dried up, but God didn't dry up. Come on, turn to somebody else. Your channel may have dried up, but God didn't dry up. Hallelujah. Come on, you need to give God praise on that. And I'm going to say it again. God is your source. 
but he has many channels. It's never a set of natural things. Take the limits off God. Say it again. Take the limits off God. So verse 8. So the channel dried up, and God sent him another channel. Verse 8 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a what? Widow woman there to what? Sustain thee. Now, if God sent him to this widow woman, that means she's got what's required in order for both of them to be sustained during these hard times. Come on, say amen, somebody. During the severe economic downturn in which this was. The verse 10 says, so he rose and went to what? Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the what? The widow woman was there gathering. She was right where God told her she was going to be. So behold, the, women, the widow woman was there gathering up sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may what? Drink. Now, he didn't have any shame in his game. He said, you're the one God sent me to. God said, you're going to take care of me, so get busy. And it says in verse 11, and as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in, dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. We getting ready to get out of here. Now, there's something wrong with this picture. Because if you look at it, it don't make sense. Because why in the world would God send the prophet of God down to a woman who has no provision? And God says she's going to provide for you. Now, there's several ways he could have responded. He could have responded like this. God, I don't understand. You sent me to this woman. She's supposed to have provisions, and she doesn't have anything. She's getting ready to die. Or he could have questioned himself. I must have missed God somewhere. Sound familiar? <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. But neither one was the case. Amen? God says she will provide. But guess what? She doesn't have it to provide. So there's going to have to be some decisions made by both the prophet and the woman. Are you following me out there? So what happened, verse 13? And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. This is number one. Fear not. Stop saying we're going to the dead. Stop saying we can't make it. Stop saying I don't have the money. Fear not. Tell your neighbor, fear not. Do you know even the American economy operates by faith? Come on, say amen, somebody. Do you realize we went off the gold standard somewhere around 1973? 
that was when the amount of dollars that were being printed was based on how much gold we kept at Fort Knox and other places. Then Nixon came in, took us off the gold standard, which means there's nothing, nothing, nothing backing our money. Nothing back in our money. Do you know what backs the American dollar? Faith. <laughs> Ten able faith. It's all faithful. Faith in what? Faith in the American government. <laughs> That's a lot of faith. And there's no hard anything. Why? Because we went off the hard. Because we have no standard. We have the gold standard. That's why we have no gold standard. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's why you, what you hear in this room is so important. Because why? Faith comes by and hearing by the what? Word of God. Well, what kind of faith? All kinds. Say they were all kinds. So what happens is when the media blows, blows you know, media jawbones start blowing things up, that things are going to get bad. Things are getting bad. They're going to get worse. Come on, things that you ain't seen nothing yet. And they start saying the media is powerful. They start saying there might be a recession. And they start talking down, down, down. What happens then, then the American people start saying what they're saying. Oh, come on. Come on, you're with me out here. Then they start believing what they're saying. Then they change what they do with their lifestyle. Because why? They believe what they say, and then they stop spending. Then what happens? When you stop spending, recession comes. Are you with me out here? It's all based on spiritual principle. How do they, listen, how do they get us out of recession? Same way they got in recession. Somewhere down the road, some good news happened somewhere, and the media <laughs> says we're coming out of recession. According to Standard & Poor's or Dow Jones, come on, say amen, somebody. Then people start feeling a little better. They start talking a little better and better. And after a while, they come to the place where that psychologically they feel better and then they venture out as a people and they start spending again. They spend money. Now the company has more money to buy more supplies for the factory. Now the factory has more orders so now they can hire more people. Are y'all getting this? Come on, say amen, somebody. Then those people now have a job with money in their pocket, so now they go and they spend money. It's all based on faith. Come on. Listen, the words of your mouth, and the attitude of your mind determines whether or not you have wealth or poverty. I need to say that again. The words of your mouth and the attitude of your mind determines whether or not you have wealth or poverty. 
And everybody knows that if you just pay attention to the news. Come on, you'll see what I'm talking about. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And see, we could have found that out from God a few centuries ago. So the first thing, stop talking all that doubt. Stop talking all that unbelief. Stop talking it and be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. So the first decision was to fear not. Then he says, go. And what? Do as thou hast what? Said. He said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Before you kill yourself. (laughs) Take care of me first. <laughs> Bring it unto me. Then after that, make me thee and thy son, and y'all go do what y'all gotta do. <laughs> See, he gave her a word from the Lord. And that's what you're supposed to do. You go out and find what the scripture said. We talk, we've been talking about this for a long time now. Get your house in order, then pray and ask God where to sow. Amen? Why? Because a seed meets any need. A seed meets any need. So he says, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after, make a, after, and after make for thee and for thy what? For thy son. Now, most people, when they read that, that sounds so mean. Doesn't that sound mean? And can't you see CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, breaking news, so-called prophet of God, known throughout our Israel, takes last cake of woman and says God told him to do it. After she told him they're going to die. Details at 11. Everybody would be glued to the TV at 11 o'clock. And they would call him all kind of names, have him under investigation, and guess what? They'll do all that to you if you do what God says. Amen? Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The bearer of milk shall not what? Waste. Neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And now, guess what? Now she's about to make a decision. Now he didn't said, give me your last cake. Come on, and go do what you got to do. Now she's about to make a decision. Is she going to believe the word of the Lord? Come on, say amen. She could say, forget you. Or she could take her seed. Take her what? Seed, and she can sow it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because why? In her case, she's going to die any moment. So what, what, what is it going to cost her to sow this seed? I'm going to die anyway. What do I have to lose? Come on, say amen, somebody. But what happened, fear will get you totally irrational. I'm saying it again. Fear will get you what? Totally irrational. So what happened? Verse 15. And she went and did according to what? 
to the saying of Elijah, and she, guess what? She and he and her house did eat many days. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the bearer of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the what? According to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Guess what? They had supernatural provision. They had what? Supernatural provision. They had supernatural, but the provision, listen, but provision, the provision is never just for you. Are you with me out here? The provision for this case was for Elijah and her entire household. And that's the way God always intends it to be, folks. It's never just about you. To your neighbor, it's never just about you. Listen, I'm not teaching you all this just so you can get cars and houses. The Bible doesn't teach that. God wants you to be blessed, but he wants you to be a blessing and learn how to sow your way out of debt. Sow to get things because a seed will meet any need. We know this. The reason we have that little girl back there is because we heard a message from Bishop when we was at a convention in Texas and he was preaching on a seed will meet any need. And at the time, the doctor told my wife that she could not have a child. Do you hear me? And Bishop said, if you're married <laughs> and you're sowing a seed towards having a baby, come down here and sow a seed. And we went down and sowed our seed in that meeting. Within a month, my wife was pregnant. Do you hear me? That's why we have an anointing when it comes to pregnancy. <laughs> somebody want a baby we, our, our, our record is pretty good when we lay hands on somebody that's married and wants a baby <laughs> you got to clarify things today <laughs> are you listening to me out there but it came from sowing seed folks Amen. And now we were blessed, and now she's a blessing. Amen. Is she a blessing? Amen. Hallelujah. That's the way God intends it to be. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we give you praise. He wants you blessed, folks. But he got to get your mindset changed. To stop trying to hoard things and hold on to things. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Start working this seed time and harvest principle that he set in his word. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and begin to give God praise. Begin to give God glory. Come on, he wants you blessed to be a blessing. 
He wants you blessed to be a blessing. Oh, we give you praise, glory to God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We pray.